Welcome back to the Health, Wealth, and Happiness podcast with your hosts, Bailey Graff and Natalie Bolin, where together we create a safe space that allows you to live your best life. Today's episode is with Stella, who we actually met from Charlene. So if you haven't listened to Charlene's episode, do that after this one, um, because they both are super kind people, easy to talk to. The conversations are great. And in particular, this episode, we chat about Stella's yoga journey, how she went abroad to do her yoga training, which is a dream of mine. Um, So it was really nice talking to her about that and the pros and cons of it. And also just post-COVID, post-graduation life and what it's been like for her. Yeah, this is a a super fun episode. Um, I wish that Charlene and Stella lived closer. I guess Stella's close to me, but like we all need to hang out. I know. I feel like we would talk for hours mm-hmm. <laughs> and do like all the wellness stuff together. I That's what I need. Like my wellness friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I wish that you were here so we could do those things together. Uh, I know. But anyway, Stella is a creative thinker, leader, core power, yoga instructor, and entrepreneur passionate about mental health and wellness. Stella recently graduated from Washington University in St. Louis, where she studied philosophy, neuroscience, psychology, and is now working as a consulting analyst at Accenture. She's also the founder and host of the Everyday Endorphins podcast, which aims to redefine health by empowering young adults to take a hold of their well-being and find ways to spark endorphins in their day-to-day life. Very aligned. Very And also something cool that Stella is hosting is a tasting event for Figlia, a non-alcoholic aperitivo brand, um, which will be live in New York City. Uh, Stella will be sharing all the details about the event on her Instagram, which is going to be linked in the show notes. So be sure to follow along uh, to find out more. Also, before we get into the episode, a word from our partner, Rasa, who we talk about all the time, but it's because we love Rasa and we drink it every single day. Their golden chai is the best, the best. Like I cannot emphasize this enough. I'm so excited that their golden chai is not sold out anymore. You can subscribe to it. It makes you feel like golden. (laughs) It's in the description. It's the most delicious blend of Saigon cinnamon, the most bioavailable turmeric and Rasa's proprietary blend. I mix it with coffee. It's like a pumpkin spice latte. Don't judge me. I drink it all year round. I don't care. It's the best. It is the best and no exaggeration. We drink it every day. I just subscribed to the golden chai because everything Bailey just said. It's just so good. And um, I have mixed it with coffee, but recently I've been mixing it with espresso to make dirty chai lattes. And it's a game changer. So get yourself a bag. Or if you're new to Rasa, they have sampler packs where you can try every single flavor, minus the chai, unfortunately. Um, But you get to try all the other delicious blends that I think if I had to choose another favorite, I think Calm would be my second favorite which is in the sampler pack. And yeah, you get to try the whole fam, get a little discount with our promo code HWHPOD. So use the link in our bio, use code HWHPOD for 15% off your first purchase. I repeat, use code HWHPOD at checkout to receive 15% off your first purchase at Rasa. Use the link in our show notes. And another place you could also look is our bio on our Instagram. So go to HWHpod 
on IG. Check out our link. If not, also just to check out our content. We put a little clips up of each episode so you can kind of get a feel for the content before you listen to the full episode. But we listen, we recommend listening to the full episodes because there's so much yummy info that you just don't hear from just the Instagram feed. Yep. And we also have a monthly newsletter. That link is in the bio as well. Um, Won't have one coming out this week, but you will have one coming out soon. And last but not least, before we let you listen to this episode with Stella, please give us a rating or a review or both on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That helps us out a lot. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with Stella. Yeah. So do you want to take it away from there? Like, just give us a little bit more of your backgrounds, um, where you went to college and how you got to where you are today with everyday endorphins and talk as much as you want or as little as you want. I know that's a heavy loaded question. (laughs) Yeah. So I, to, I guess to begin, I am from New York, grew up in New York city And I went to Washington University in St. Louis for college, um, where I studied a combination of philosophy, neuroscience, and psychology, which is a mouthful to say, but it was really just one major. Um, But it was very interdisciplinary, which is what I loved about it. And I also minored in creative writing and strategic management in our business school. So I was really like all over the place. Um, But I, you know, was a really a firm believer that you should just study what you like in college and the rest will fall into place. So I went down that route and thought I was going to do the whole pre-med track that did not end up happening. And I ended up working in, uh, you know, what I'm doing now is consulting business consulting. And, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to still be able to blend my interests in what I studied with what I'm doing professionally at, uh, you know, at Accenture, which is where I work. And also with my podcast, Everyday Endorphins, which discusses health and wellness and happiness and purposeful living. I think it's like a creative spinoff kind of to what I majored in in college um, in a weird way. But that's kind of, you know, what I've been up to. So I graduated in May and I've just been working uh, in New York and working remotely, even though the office is open. It's a kind of like a hybrid model these days, but I'm living at home, working remotely and uh, just continuing keeping up my podcast. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did you say you uh, got your teacher training in Bali? Yes, I did. So that was like a really, really fun experience post-grad. I flew directly from St. Louis to Indonesia. The like the weekend, like five days after I graduated. And I, uh, what I went to Bali for a yoga teacher training program. So I was gone for about two months. I had to leave a little earlier than the start of the program because this was, you know, still in the time of COVID and I had to do a mandatory seven day quarantine in Jakarta. So I left college, like coming off the high of like life coming off of just graduating 
being around all my friends. Then I was stuck in a hotel room for six or seven days. And um, then I flew from Jakarta to Bali, where I completed the yoga teacher training program for one month. And then I stayed for an additional three weeks or so. And the plan was to travel around, explore. And uh, Indonesia conveniently went into lockdown right when my program finished because COVID was getting bad there again. So, um, you know, it kind of was actually a blessing in disguise because I was able to just stay local to like the town I was, I had done my teacher training program in and I had already made friends there. So I felt like I could kind of like settle down and like feel like I was living there for a few weeks and I'd already made friends. So it was, it was like a blessing in disguise to just get that time to just experience what it was like to be there without doing the program and being in an intensive schedule every day. But it was truly one of the best experiences of my life. And every day I think, oh, how can I get back to Bali? Or I just, I want to be back so badly because it was really a special time in my life to get the certification, something I'd wanted to do for a long time and to experience what it was like, you know, to live in that part of the world and be in a tropical climate and have vegan food all the time and be right near the ocean. And it was, it was just really spectacular. That sounds amazing. So I'm, I'm so curious because I've always wanted to get my yoga certification in India in like Rishikesh, which is like the birthplace of yoga, but I've always had this like pullback where I also kind of want to do it locally so I can be like engaged in like a local yoga center, you know? So like, how was it going over there to get certified? Like, do you feel kind of like disconnected from like your teachers and like your experience now? That's a really great question. I think it would be really amazing to go to India to do the certification. I mean, it just, it's a different experience. And I think it's really what you want out of it. So you can totally do it locally. Um, because I think, yeah, you can like be more connected to like your local community. And then if you actually want to like teach yoga and like get a job at a studio, you have your network there and like you have your contacts. I wanted to go to Bali because I thought, you know, if I'm going to get this certification and I have this period of time in my life, that's like fully empty. I don't have any responsibilities. I just graduated. I have a job lined up in September. Like I might as well go and like do something big and do something crazy. So I was, I wanted to go to Bali and I wanted to, I also pre COVID wanted to like then extend the trip to Australia. So that was kind of why I was thinking that area of the world. But, um, I think it was really great for me to actually go to Bali because yes, I guess I was kind of disconnected from the teachers and studios in New York or in St. Louis, but there was, it was amazing to like experience yoga in a very different part of the world and a place that's very spiritual as well. Like I could completely disconnect from my life and like go off and practice yoga in like the rice fields in Indonesia and just be in this beautiful scenery and be right near the ocean. I think like, that's really the, the, the environment really like kind of helped me get submerged into a whole different mindset and mentality. So for me, it was really amazing to like have that opportunity and, you know, it would have been great to do it in New York and to keep it local, but it would have been totally different. And, uh, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have been as immersed in it because maybe I would have done, you know, weekend trainings to try to do it alongside school or in the summer, if I hadn't traveled or, um, 
I maybe would have done like a, a month long intensive in New York, but New York summers are just like super hot and muggy and New York's not going anywhere, but it's not like every day you can get to go to Bali. So I think for me, it was like, like I wanted to get out and do something really out of my comfort zone. But that being said, like the actual training and the materials like that you can, you can take with you anywhere you can learn anywhere. So I think it was, it was for me more about like those external factors. It's funny, like talking about this, going to Bali to do my yoga teacher training is like a long-term goal of mine. That is something my cousin and I were like either solo or together. Like we both want to do it. So I love talking to you about it. And it's funny, Bail, when you asked that question, I never even thought about the aspect of coming back and then starting again, kind of to make this community if you're trying to teach yoga, which is pretty important if you want to be like a success, successful instructor, like I've never even thought about that. But to me, Bali is the dream. Like hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yes, because it is to me, it's more of like, I don't know if I want to teach yoga as a, as a job. It's more of like a spiritual or like a, yeah, get immersed in this practice rather than coming back and then teaching yoga. If that makes sense. It's more of like just a personal goal I have for myself. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, that's what it was for me because I definitely, I do intend on teaching. It's been very difficult figuring out my routine. Like I I'm someone that really thrives on structure and organization and having routines. And it was very hard for me to figure that out when I came back in September and starting my job and like living at home and figuring out well, like how what does it look like to work? Like, what's it going to look like when I'm on my first project now that my training's completed? Um, like my job training, orientation training. So I think it was difficult to figure that out and then fit in, okay, well now how am I going to get a job at a studio and keep up my podcast? So my goal for like the new year moving into 2022 is to really buckle down with, um, you know, figuring out some teaching opportunities. But that being said, I think it was really, again, more of that like personal, personal goal of mine to just be able to learn how to teach deep in my own practice, meet really interesting people from all over the world, and then get um, kind of like a travel experience out of it. Like I'd never really traveled solo before. And I went to Southeast Asia by myself, not knowing anyone. And then I came out of that having some really close friends one of whom I actually saw in New York because he comes to New York sometimes to do business. He's an architect. And uh, it was, you know, now it's like, wow, I have these friends from really all over, like not just Europe, but people from like everywhere in the world. And um, I think it really broadened my perspective on communities and building communities and and, uh, connecting with people. It was the first time I had met anyone that didn't at least have some idea of like the identities that I hold. Like no one knew where I was from. No one knew my age. No one knew why I was interested in yoga. No one knew why I was on this program when they first met me. And at least when you're, you know, you're in college, it's, you can play the game of like, oh yeah, I have this mutual friend. And oh, you went to this school. Like I have a cousin that went to that school and the world is small, but when you really like push yourself outside of your comfort zone and you're, you're around people you really like have no connection to. And then you learn how to build that connection, like from the ground up organically. It's, it's really beautiful and special. Totally. That's, that's amazing. I'm so glad that you like 
jumped on that opportunity because that really doesn't happen often. And I liked what you said too, about how it really allowed you to like immerse yourself in your training. Cause I think that's like the, one of the big differences, you know, like if you're doing a local teacher training, normally it's like, Oh, you go every weekend for two months, you know, like you're still working full time. You're still like doing life in, in the way that you know it. And this kind of like allowed you to pause and just fully focus on that. And like, that's so beautiful. I want to ask you about like COVID and your yoga practice, because I was like going so consistently pre-COVID and then COVID happened. And I was like, can't go to a studio. I don't have room in my like space to do yoga. Um, so how was that for you? Yeah. I mean, oh my God, COVID really, I think we all got used to just the, (laughs) the experience of working out in your own apartment or your home. Like at home workouts, I feel like we're not big before because it, you would go to a studio or you'd run outside or you go on a bike ride or a walk or whatever your you know preferred method of exercise was. But when COVID hit, I honestly, like, I don't know. I, I tried all different sorts of things. Like I was doing pop sugar workouts, dance cardio, um, and it was weird to like do yoga at home. Cause I'd never done that before. Like I loved being in the studio environment, but, uh, I started doing yoga with this platform, um, with aloe yoga, their yoga platforms called aloe moves, and they have tons of yoga classes. They have meditations. They now have bar, they have, um, they have stretching, they have Pilates, they have so many different workout classes, but I love the yoga and I love the instructors on it. So I was doing lots of aloe moves classes uh, and I just roll out my mat in our apartment and just do yoga. And, um, I got used to it. Cause I think we all had to get, you know, get used to it. We were forced into it, but that was kind of, you know, nice to see that yoga can be practiced anywhere. You don't have to spend money to go to a studio and studios in New York can be really pricey. So you could just do yoga for free. And, um, that's also important to me because yoga should be accessible to everyone. Like you shouldn't have to pay $40, $35 for a class to do yoga. You can do yoga anywhere. You can do yoga whenever, and you can do yoga with others, or you can do it alone. And so I think there was a lot of like benefits to all of us kind of being forced to figure out like how to practice at home and, and, uh, and get used to that. It is harder to have that discipline, I think though, because I really do love that experience of being around people and being at a studio and having the instructor there. So it is, you know, it comes with its challenges, but I was trying to practice consistently or more consistently with the Allo Moves platform. And of course, not having to commute to and from classes is super nice. So you can really do it whenever, um, when you're at home, but it's difficult because now that I can like reflect on the summer and I was around people every day and we were practicing for two hours every morning. And we were in like the middle of a rice field. Like we were just in the most scenic serene place. Nothing kind of compares to that now anymore. And so I kind of crave wanting to be in person, even though I know that like yoga can be done, you know, is at home. Like it can be done equally really anywhere, but, uh, something, some things don't beat the in-person experience. True that. And I do want to shout out Allo Moves because I use that as well. And it's just a fun app. My favorite instructor, if anyone listening wants to check it out is Bri or Brie or Brioni. Oh yeah. 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 Whatever her name is. I love her. I, I think she's like 
the perfect mix between slow flow, but also you feel that your muscles, your, you feel your muscles like working, even though you're stretching and it's slow and everything. Cause I'm not, I'm a slow yoga person. I do not like fast power yoga. It's just not my thing, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Even for myself, I would like this whole transition to, I was going to in-person yoga at a studio and, you know, not Bali, but (laughs) there is something special about being in the presence of like-minded people and, and the instructor and the energy they bring to every class is very different. And like, I try to mimic that with my virtual at home, like by lighting candles and stuff, but sometimes it just misses the mark. So it's definitely, yeah, I feel like I'm a little more disconnected from my yoga practice and, you know, that's kind of why, like I've paused. I'm like in the future, I'm going to do yoga training, but right now it just doesn't seem right because of what has happened in the world. And I just, you know what I mean? Right. The timing has to like, it has to be right. And I think I was lucky enough where like things really aligned at that point in my life, but yeah, it is hard at home. I mean, even when you light the candles or you you can do the things that are in your power to really mimic that in-person experience. But at the end of the day, it's so hard because it's like, well, my phone's right there. Or if I'm doing this on my computer, I can just click the sidebar and then I can see my notifications. And it's like, there's all these temptations that are fighting for my attention and something that I like really appreciate, whether it was in Bali or like my home studio or just any yoga studio in general is like the minute you walk into that space, you can really put everything else away and you know, the, the instructor will affect your practice, like the type of music, um, you know, the, the time of day that you're practicing the lighting in the room, like all these things can really affect your sense of like, like the ambiance can really affect how you feel in that practice. And sometimes yoga classes, like really just, uh, sometimes I just walk out of the classes feeling so calm and, something that the instructor would say would like really resonate with me. And it felt kind of like therapy in like the best way. And that's not necessarily something that's as easy to achieve, uh, you know, when you're practicing virtually, which is a bummer. 100%. And something I found with virtual yoga that is a little harder to, uh, mimic or duplicate is the, uh, Shavasana. I just find every, virtual class I've done, they might spend like two minutes at most. And then they'll like end the video and be like, you can stay in Shavasana as long as you want. But it's like, as soon as the video stops and the music stops, you kind of like also stop. And whereas like, if you go to a studio, Shavasana is sometimes we're like 10 minutes plus, like they would really like have that yummy. And you, you were forced, not forced, but like you could just literally sit there for 10 minutes because everyone was, and you had nothing to go to and the music didn't stop. Like the, it kept going. And that is, um, I find the most yummy part of yoga and virtually I just haven't been able to connect that way. And I think that also plays into why I'm disconnected because example, if you're like on YouTube doing a yoga video and they're like, stay in Shavasana, but then replays are on. So like if you, the video ends and then like a couple of seconds later, a new video plays and you have to like jump up and pause the video and you're out of Shavasana. So I think that for me is like the hardest thing for sure. Totally. And sometimes like the video feels like maybe it's stuck or did like my computer die because it's, I feel like, Oh, I've been lying here for so long when it's only been like two minutes. 
And then I have to, like, I get up and I check and I'm like, wait, is this still playing? Like, did it stop somehow? And it just disrupts the flow, which I, I agree. Like Shavasana is like such a nice part of the practice. And I think it's actually like, you know, traditional classes are meant to build in at least like five to 10 minutes of having Shavasana. And it's so important that like you stay and you have that experience because it's a really nice way to wrap up your, your practice. And I've had some of my, like the most relaxing moments in class or like, like I've had just like these crazy, like revelations in Shavasana, kind of like when you're taking a shower and you have a random thought and you're like, that's brilliant. <laughs> like that's kind of, I guess, like the most uh, easy way to like make a comparison to some of the like craziest feelings I've had in Shavasana. And it's, it's hard. You don't really get that when you're doing it virtually. Totally. So you went through this transition, obviously of like yoga student into yoga teacher. Did you have any like takeaways there? Like what was that transition like for you? It was actually much harder than I thought it would be. Like, I guess the more you teach, the more you, you it's easier to, to do it, but it's like, wow, you have to memorize the flow that you build and like, how can you make it creative? And then thinking about the music that you're going to play, or if you're going to choose to not play music, like you, you really get to shape that experience. And something that I've noticed is like a lot of students kind of come to their teachers as not like therapists, but like close friends or like this, this teacher is someone I can confide in and I can trust. And, uh, as a teacher, you have to kind of figure out like how to strike the right balance where like you, you're supportive towards your students, but also you're not like you know, a therapist or you're not like a licensed professional to help them with whatever they're going through. So, I mean, no one has ever, I like, I've never had that experience personally as a teacher, but, um, Sometimes I think back to like being a student and then like kind of like glorifying some teachers because I'm like, wow, they really like they like they get it or they've just really like been able to calm me. And I think um, now as a teacher, it's interesting to kind of on the flip side, see what that's like um, and just being mindful like about how to strike that balance. But um, I think also with teaching, I've just developed a different perspective on how classes are structured. Like when I take classes now I'm thinking, I'm trying to like get into the teacher's mind. Like, how did they build this flow? Um, like what, what did they do differently? What, what are they, what are they trying to achieve out of this flow? Like for the students. And prior to that, I know I would kind of just go into classes passively, but I think now I have more of like an active mindset or I, I think maybe I'm just a, a bit more aware of like what's actually going on in a class. Yeah. And something else I would want to like chat with you about some on the, on the note of transitions. So you've transitioned from student to teacher in yoga, as well as transitioning from in-person to virtual and what that looks like. But also at this time you've graduated college during a pandemic, which graduating college already is pretty scary. Like we chatted about earlier, like you were lucky to secure a job before graduating. And similar to myself, like I had that same experience, but some people come out of grad school or not grad school, (laughs) normal bachelors, whatever you're studying, you come out of school and you're looking for a job and that is intimidating. And then on top of that, you're, it's kind of during a pandemic. So like, is the job market good or is it bad? Like, who knows? I don't know. I've heard mixed things right now. Um, so can you talk about that transition, just going from a structured school setting and then you had this break, you went to Bali and then you came back. 
what was that like? Yeah. I mean, that's a loaded question. I, I don't think it even really occurred. Like, (laughs) I don't think it really even hit me until like a month ago that I, the college is like, it's finished. (laughs) Um, and I think it's because right when I graduated, I just got up and left. And then I was gone until the end of July. I came back to New York for like a week and then went to Greece with my family for a month and a half. So I was gone really the whole summer and I didn't come back until September. And then I started work. Um, graduating in COVID, you know, the senior year, obviously was not what anyone expected and everyone had it difficult, you know, in one way or another, I was fortunate enough to like knock on wood. And I hope by the time this episode comes out, I will not have not ever had COVID, but, um, I was fortunate enough to like knock it sick and, you know, I didn't, you know, within my immediate friends and family, no one really got sick or if they did, it wasn't like life threatening. So luckily in my situation, you know, it could have definitely been much worse. And I was still fortunate enough to like get a degree in COVID and like be able to graduate college and have a job. Like there were so many amazing things that came out of that year, but it was, it was hard. Like at least at WashU, it felt like you were committing a crime if you saw more than like three friends and because no one knew what was going on and like while she wanted to be really strict and like safe. So, you know, at least the student body was for the most part responsible, but it was difficult when like you felt like you couldn't do anything and senior year is supposed to be the time where you're having fun and you're like going out and you're spending time with your friends and like that, none of that was happening. And it was definitely difficult. And I had, kind of like a stressful living situation. Cause one of my roommates, um, it was just very hard to live with her. And I, I started to realize that very, you know, um, very soon along the, in, the entire year and, uh, just dealing with COVID paranoia and, and anxiousness, it was just very difficult. And I felt kind of like a prisoner in my own apartment, which is not how you want to feel, um, your senior year. So it was definitely difficult, but then luckily things started to open up come like March, April and like people started getting vaccinated. They got their first and second doses by the spring. So I was like, okay, I can take a deep breath. Like I can start to see more than like five people. Like I can reconnect with old friends and I can start meeting new people. Like it got really exciting and it was bittersweet because we all knew it was coming to an end. We were graduating in May, but um, I think by the spring, with graduation, it was just kind of like a whirlwind. And then it just came and it went. And when I look back on it now, uh, you know, there's, there's certain things that make me really sad. Like, I wish that I was able to, like, I'm kind of envious of the grades below me that like now, like this year, at least things are a bit different on campus and they get to have that in-person experience. Um, I think also though, there, there was still a lot of positives that did come out of it. Like, really getting to spend quality time with friends, like the friends I I was able to see on like a Wednesday night, I could do, you know, we'd cook dinner and we'd just hang out at our apartments and do nothing. And like in a pre COVID world, it would never be like that. It would be like, Oh, we have this dinner plan, but then we have drinks plans. And then we're going to this party. And it was kind of always on to the next. And, um, as fun as it is to be busy and have like a packed social calendar, like that's exhausting. And then like, how, uh, how attentive are you actually in like the moments that you're spending with people? And so we were kind of forced to, to have, you know, those experiences in COVID. 
And when I look back on it, I feel really grateful to have just had very low key nights throughout the year where I could really spend quality time with some friends. And I miss that because now post-grad, you know, we don't all live a five minute walk from each other. And I, I miss that convenience for sure. And, um, I think, you know, I, I visited a friend from college about a month, month and a half ago, and it was my first time seeing her since I, we graduated. And it just like, I think that was the moment where I was like, wow, like college is really done. Um, I had seen people, you know, when I visited her in Chicago, I'd seen people I hadn't seen since like 2019 in the fall. And it brought back so many memories and so many positive experiences. And I'm so grateful for that because I think we tend to focus on like the negative things in life. Like, like those tend to really outweigh positive experiences and they don't really, they leave a stronger impression on our minds. So it was really nice to be reminded of like all the fortunes that I've been granted throughout college, you know, amidst the stressful events and amidst uh, senior year being kind of sucky. Like it was nice to be reminded of all the great things that happened. Uh, so it was definitely, I think it, things just take time to process. And I, I just think that the entire year post-grad it's, it's going to take an entire year to really settle into like this new chapter in my life. It's been four years, I think, since I've graduated and I still have not settled into it. <laughs> like, it's still so weird to have friends all over the world and to not have like a, a three month summer, like all of these weird things that we grow up going to school and like having this schedule and like having this, um, like focus on like test taking and like all of these things. Then you graduate and you're like, okay, I have a job. It's just never ending. Like I'm not taking tests. Like I have like a, maybe a yearly like performance report or whatever, but it's just so different and like such a like drastic change, you know, like it, it's still four years later, hard for me. So not to like <laughs> scare you, but it's going to be like an ongoing transition. And it's, it's great that you're like looking on the bright side about all of this. Um, because college is such a fun time in your life. You know, like if you're, if you're lucky to, enough to go to college and you do, um, it's so much fun, but it's still a weird transition, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. The, the not having the three month summers is stressing me out. <laughs> I'm like, I just started working and I'm like, oh my God, like I will not have just time to go travel or see family and do whatever. Like you are working in the summer <laughs> and then you have to use your PTO wisely or figure out like how you're going to budget that. And vacations now are like, short. They're not just like three month escapades off to wherever you want to go. <laughs> um, you know, if you're able to do that. So, um, yeah, I, <laughs> that's something I'm like, definitely going to have to get used to come May, June, July, August. But I have a feeling, you know, we adapt quicker than we think we do. So I've, I'm hopeful that it won't be as bad as I'm like anticipating it may be. It 100% will be. I feel like the point you made bail where like in college, you're working towards an exam or whatever, you constantly have like due dates that you're working towards. And then that's gone. That structure is gone. And then you come out of it and it is, it's just like free flowing and it's like never ending. Like, okay, now you're in the working field and there's no summers. Like you just said, Stella. And I think for myself, that's honestly when my whole true like self journey started, because then now it's up to us to like, not wait for these times, like, yay, three months off in the, in the summer. That's when we can have fun or whatever. It's like, 
Now it's like, okay, how can I make every day fun? Or how can I find a little break or make these shorter weekends? Like that's our, everyone has somewhat of a weekend, whether it's Saturday, Sunday or not. And it's a little different if you're a nurse or whatever it might be, we all have these days off and it's like, okay, how can I make these special? Because it's just so different. It's not like even in college, like, I mean, people go out during the week. Cause it's like, we just have class. We just sit there in class and like, don't really have much to worry about. So it is, it's like, you definitely take it for granted when you're in it. And then when you're out of it, it's like, okay, this is completely different. And it is, it's a hard adjustment, but for myself, that's, I feel like when I found who I was and like found what I like to do and this whole thing that I feel like everyone's talking about is like, uh, romanticizing your life or how can like every coffee be the best coffee ever, because it can become very mundane and almost like have moments of like depressing moments where you're just like, Oh, this again, you wake up. Okay. Work again. Um, and I think that's also why it's important to find hopefully something that you don't hate to do. Like, I don't think you have to love your job. Like you can have a life outside of work, but um, having something that you don't dread going to helps. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, I love that point about like bring making your day-to-day moments like special, like how can you look forward to something that you may think is like a mundane thing? And I think that's super important because it's, you have to actively put in the work to find sustainable happiness And it's, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice by saying like, oh, well in X amount of time, I know I'll be happy because I'll have X amount of time off and I can do X, Y, Z. And it's like plans always change. So you can't, you know, bank on that. And also then what, like, is just, you know, your present moment, just anticipating the future. Like you're not fully present in what's going on in that moment. And you're not, you're live, you know, we, we often live either in the past, like we ruminate on the past or we're like actively focusing on what's going to, or probably not going to happen in the future. And it takes away from the present moment, which if you really think about it, that is literally all we have. Um, you know, you can't be in two places at once. You can only be in, in the moment that you're in at that, at that time. So I love that you mentioned that. And I think that's also something I've been trying to do or figure out how to do is like, how can I make the quote unquote boring mundane days more exciting to me? And how can I, can I do something for myself every weekend that is truly for me and like, will kind of like rejuvenate me. And it doesn't have to be another big trip to Bali. Honestly, that's just not like <laughs> not in the cards in the near future. Um, but like, you know, there's other things you can do that can like bring that sense of joy and happiness into your day-to-day life. Um, you know, for me, I guess, I started drinking matcha this summer. I gave up coffee and I was definitely a diehard coffee fan in person, but now it's like my new routine is drinking matcha every day. And that's something I really look forward to. And like, yes, I'll like go and buy a five, $6 matcha every day, but like, that's kind of a non-negotiable and yeah, like I, it's expensive, but like, I know it's something that I look forward to. And like, I'd rather put my money towards, uh, like a really great matcha that I know is just like part of my morning routine now than like, I don't know, like two cocktails on like a random weeknight. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just, I think being flexible and like kind of budgeting in what you find enjoyable and, um, trying to bring those small things into your day-to-day life. And that can also change too. 
um, you know, depending on circumstances and interests changing. So you can always find ways to keep it fun and exciting. 100%. And I keep saying that I'm like, yeah, 100%. No, um, this is like perfect because what you're saying, these like everyday little moments is kind of reminiscent of your podcast name, everyday endorphins. So at what point did this come up? Was this a post-grad kind of adventure or, and where did the name come from? Is this kind of the idea behind it? Yeah. So I actually created the name my freshman year of high school. So that was like 2014, 2015. It's been a long time, you know, having this name out there. I started everyday endorphins, like the idea really, um, as an Instagram account, I had just started, uh, doing crew. Like I I joined a rowing team, my freshman year of high school, and I used the Instagram account as a way to blog about my experiences at the boathouse, being a student athlete for the first time. I was never super athletic prior to freshman year. I had done yoga for a while and I was a dancer, but I hated anything related to sports. And I am not good with sports to this day, but rowing was a very unique, uh, you know, beast in it of itself. And I started doing that. And I just, the name I think was kind of just like, I honestly don't know where it came from. Maybe just like a fun alliteration I went to a very science oriented high school. So I guess I knew what an endorphin molecule was when I was 14. Um, But it was really just like happiness and health and all of that. And in college, I had stopped rowing and, uh, you know, a lot of my content was gone. Like I was like, well, what am I going to post now? Just like what I'm eating, what I, you know, what workouts I'm doing, yoga, whatever. And throughout college, I started to kind of like cringe at myself because I was like, well, why am I posting another photo of a salad or a smoothie bowl? Like no one wants to see this content. It's boring. And it's also not indicative of what it means to be healthy. You know, there's tons of people out there that are eating salads and smoothie bowls and are not happy. Um, and it's it, not just by the nature of like, you know, the food that they're eating, but like the fundamentals that are important to establishing good health and longevity, like that does not guarantee happiness and like feeling mentally good in yourself and about yourself. So I kind of distanced myself from the Instagram because it just didn't feel authentic anymore. And then, uh, COVID obviously happened and we were in lockdown in 2020. And I thought to myself at the end of that summer, it would be really cool to bring back this account, but repurpose it kind of in a way where I could create a podcast, use the name and start posting about the podcast on the Instagram and my, you know, I have always been interested in topics of wellness and mental health and creativity and journalism and storytelling. But I do think that my mission behind the podcast has really begun to, um, like evolve over time. The more I've been having these conversations and thinking to myself, like, well, how do I define happiness and health? And so the purpose behind it really is to inspire people, my age, like young adults, post-grad people on taking a hold of their own wellness and and happiness through redefining like what it means to be healthy. Uh, Because I think when we often talk about mental health, there's this, you know, tremendous focus on mental illness, like anxiety and depression. And although those are, you know, incredibly important topics and like, you you can't escape talking about that when you're trying to normalize conversations around mental health and well-being. 
you know, there's all this negativity focused on mental health, but like, where, why, why aren't we talking about things that we can actually do to make us happier, like things that are healthy uh, rather than mental illness. And I think kind of like the two go hand in hand. And so my goal with the podcast is kind of to talk more about like these topics around positive psychology and talk about how really everything is related to health beyond physical activity, which is how we get that endorphin kick, uh, you know, through the runner's high, but it's also like, you know, you can really chase those endorphins in so many different ways. Like you do not have to go on a five mile run to feel that sense of euphoria and happiness. You can find that through so many different mediums. And that's something I've been learning through the conversations I've been having with doctors, with artists, with producers, with um, yoga instructors and with, uh, you know, other students and other peers, like it just, it, it's really, I'm trying to paint this picture of like holistic health and holistic wellness and, and living a purposeful life, which is something I think we're all trying to figure out, uh, and myself included. So that's kind of the, uh, the inspiration behind everyday endorphins. I love that. It feels like our missions are like so aligned. Like we're, we're hoping to do the same thing. Um, and I think we all do it in our own way. And I love that. And I love that about this community. Like it's so, it's so awesome to connect with people like that. Um, so, so how are you getting your endorphins every day? What's your go-to? That's a really great question. Um, I think that, well, I do love my matcha. That's like a small thing. I try to, um, I try to like go on walks every day. I know that's kind of like that got really big with COVID, but, um, you know, before the weather gets to be really cold, I do try to get outside. And more recently, actually, I've been trying to take advantage of the whole working remotely situation. Uh, our office is open in New York, but it is not required. And my team is actually like not even based in New York. So I took a weekend trip to DC to visit some friends. I spent a week working remotely in Chicago. And I recently just got back from Miami with a friend just working remotely in Florida. And it's been like a life changer just to get out of the routine and like being at home and then being able to go somewhere that's warm and being near the beach. Like my, during my lunch break, I like went to the ocean and I went for a swim and then I tanned for like an hour. It was amazing. And I think like um, just taking advantage of those opportunities to get out and, you know, do that while I can has definitely brought me joy and getting to spend quality time with friends. And also even doing the podcast, like I love talking to people about their stories and what makes them happy and their experiences. And so it definitely is a lot of work. I'm sure that both of you can relate because you have your own podcast, like booking guests and doing the recordings and finding time to get everything done and posting on social media. It's just it's a headache, but my favorite part is just sitting down to do the recording. Cause these are conversations I'd be having anyways. It's just the added bonus of getting to like record it and produce it. So those, those things definitely bring me endorphins as well. I don't know how people like yourself do it without a co-host. Like I don't, it's so much work behind the scenes that no one ever notices. So like more applause to podcast hosts who do it solo. I'm just like, it blows my mind because I already feel overwhelmed with half of the amount of work. So it's just wild, but, um, yeah, walks, walks are great. I, I feel like everyone talks about them. Like you were saying it came big with COVID, but I don't know where I would be if I didn't step outside every day, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the whole travel thing is something I haven't taken advantage of. I feel like with working remote quite yet. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that would be a game changer. You kind of inspired me. I totally, I mean, if you have the opportunity with like your work, I totally think you should do it because obviously there are some jobs where like, you have to be in person. Like if you're working in a lab or whatever. Um, but I was fortunate enough where right now, like consultants are not really, I mean, at least on my projects, no one's traveling for work. Travel's kind of opening up, but what I've been staffed on as of recently, like I, you know, it's all been remote. And so you can do that work really from anywhere. You can take your calls from anywhere. You can do the work wherever. So I was like, I might as well escape the New York cold and get somewhere warm, um, get somewhere, you know, near a beach. I'd never traveled anywhere warm in the winter ever in my life. So this was my first time like being in Florida, for example, around December. Uh, we never really go anywhere over winter break when I was a kid growing up. And um, so it was really nice to have that change of pace. And it just, um, it's really nice to have that flexibility. And I, I'm not sure if we're ever, if we're going to get that back. Um, I'm sure the ways of working down the line will definitely be some sort of hybrid model, but uh, you know, I'm not really paying rent right now. So I'm like, I might as well put that money to use and <laughs> do something fun. Totally dude. Traveling in the winter and like escaping the Northeast cold is a game changer. Like getting vitamin D for a week, you come home and you like, <laughs> you're like flying. You feel so good after. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I did it for like the first time, I think like two years ago. And I was like, I'm, I have to do this now. Like I'm always taking a winter trip. Like there's no way that I, I can't do that anymore. Um, where did you go? Florida too. It's yeah. so easy. It's you know? perfect. If you're East coast hours, like you just bop on right down and it's perfect. It's so easy. Yeah. I like, I I've wanted to take advantage of traveling remotely, like further, you know, like go to Europe or something. And that's when it gets a little bit tricky with hours and stuff, because even if you are working remotely, I think it does get tricky with those, but Mm -hmm. overall, like if you have the flexibility, you might as well take advantage of it. And especially if you're not paying rent, like you don't have any (laughs) pets or anything, you know, like why not? Exactly. I mean, Europe would be so nice, but, um, when we were in Greece this summer, my dad really only took like a week off, but was working for the remainder of the time we were there. And he's a trooper. He, you know, would be up till three in the morning <laughs> working because he had calls to take. And um, I think, you know, he got used to it and he, he was fine. But like for me, I would no. <laughs> I need my sleep. I am not I am not willing to sacrifice that. Um, he was fine with it, but I, I don't think I, I would use my PTO to go to Europe. Yeah, absolutely. And like in Greece too, their schedule is so different. Like you don't want to work late because they're up late. Like that's when it's the most fun. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So the trade-offs definitely still exist, but if you keep it within the United States, I mean like the worst that you could be doing is working East coast hours from like California and you're up at 5am, but you know, it gets you up and you get to see the sunrise and then you just get to bed early if that's your jam. And like, honestly, I feel like I would love that. So maybe that should be my next trip. I just found out one of the like partners that we work with in my job, she works remote from Greece and like everyone else is here in the U S and I'm like, how does she do that? Cause she always would respond to emails like weird hours. And I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Go to sleep. Then I found out just recently she's in Greece and I was like, Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice seven hours ahead of New York. But, um, if you're in LA, I guess it's definitely more. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, But yeah, I just feel like definitely this whole work environment is changing. And I think even like the whole like companies 
working East coast hours versus like, okay, if you're, you're based in the East coast and everyone's remote and say you go to the West coast to travel and then like working East coast hours, I even see that kind of shifting some, like I see even more companies being okay. Okay. If you're going to be, say you're based in the East coast and you're going to the West coast, oh, you're going to be on the West coast work West coast hours that week. It's totally fine. Like I even see a little bit of that coming out of this, which is, I just think the whole, like you said, down the pipeline, hybrid culture and like, it's just going to be more available. And I, I love it. I think people are really focusing on happiness and culture and how can we, okay, still work and still, obviously we need money to do things. Um, but how can we balance it a little bit better? And I think it's finally being more talked about and being opened up to. Totally. And I think it like really boosts a sense of like well-being when you have that flexibility because pre-COVID there would like never be a world in which I could imagine doing like a lunch break from the ocean. But you know, now like that was totally feasible and it feels kind of like you can integrate work in like a healthy way into your life and like look forward to it because you have like the ownership to really do it wherever and um kind of like have a life outside of work. Um, of course that depends on how much you're working and if you have really long hours and of course some weeks may be busier than others, but, uh, you know, just being to be able to do the work that you have to do, but like immerse yourself in a different scenery that like maybe brings you more joy, I think is so, so nice to have that. Yeah. And something else to kind of, I guess, tie everything together, um, working from home, like you're not commuting, you are just, you know, in your room, in your uh, office, I guess. Like I've been doing yoga during lunch because I can, I have the time. Like if I show back up to work and I'm a little bit sweaty, no one knows it's the best. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I mean, today I literally hopped on the Peloton. We got a Peloton at the end of, uh, like lockdown. Um, and I just went on the bike for 30 minutes because I had time <laughs> and it was really like, and I took a really quick shower and I sat down for my 1130 meeting and it was like, no one, no one knew. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, so Stella, we ask all of our guests the same last question to wrap up. Um, how do you live your best life? With important people that I choose to surround myself with, I guess. I mean, that's a great question. Cause like, I don't even know there's when I feel like I'm living my best life, I feel like I'm really listening to myself and I really respect my boundaries. I think like that's super important because it's so easy to, I mean, especially I find it very easy to overcommit to things. And when I'm really living my best life, I'm, I'm listening to myself and to my body and like, you know, what do I need in this moment? Um, and not letting like the all the noise that the world can throw at us, like get to me. Um, but I guess more generally it's, you know, I feel great in about myself and in my own skin when I'm around people that are supportive and uplift me. And so I, um, when I come out of like a really nice conversation with a friend that I hadn't spoken to in a while, like I feel really great after that. And I think, um, I feel a lot of gratitude in those moments. So it's really, I think for me, just about having that inner awareness and keeping good people close to me. 
I feel like that's a new one. I don't know if anyone that I remember has ever said like the people you surround yourself with. And I think that's so important. So I'm glad you said that because you are who you surround yourself with. That is the whole saying that everyone says. And it's really important because if you're surrounded by uplift, uplifting people who encourage you and don't get jealous and lift you up, like you can do so many great things. So I love that answer. Uh, for our follower or followers, I guess they're followers, listeners who want to follow along to your story, tune into your podcast, find you on Instagram. What are your socials and where can they find you? Yes. So um, you can find me on just, you know, Spotify, Apple, Google podcasts, really all the listening platforms everyday endorphins. And if you want to follow along on Instagram, you can follow at everyday underscore endorphins. My personal Instagram account is at Stella Stephanopoulos. And, um, I, by the time that this interview was launched, I should be having a website up. It should just be www.everydayendorphins.com. Um, hopefully it is up by then. I can't see it not be, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. I mean, listening links, you can find, you can find it anywhere. If you just Google the name. Perfect. Stella, thank you so much for uh, coming on and sharing with us today. Thank you guys so much for having me as a guest. I am so honored to be on your podcast and I am really excited to hear the episode once it's released. Mm-hmm.